The last time we were dealing with this portion of the message was October the 8th. As a, the message is the letter from Yaakov to the 12 tribes in the Diaspora, chapter 1. And so this will be part two of the introduction and the general overview. But we want to start in the Word today. So now, if you will, turn to the book. In most Bibles, it has the English name. It is called James. But his true name is Yaakov. Or Jacob. And we're just going to focus on this very first verse today as we go into our introduction, part two, and our overview. From Yaakov, a slave of God, and of the Lord Yeshua the Messiah, to the twelve tribes in the diaspora, Shalom. It's fascinating when you stop and you think just for a moment. Many of us have been taught that the 12 tribes, the 10 northern tribes, had completely disappeared. There were remnants of the 10 tribes that came down from the northern kingdom as they saw the northern kingdom that was falling away from God's preference of how they were to serve him. God ordained that to happen for that nation to be divided that David's sons and others would come and they would cause destruction in the land of Israel. The Lord allows judgment in a land so that he'll call both his people and the people dwelling in the nation to repentance. We see this throughout all of Scripture. And so we hear this, see this individual here in the very beginning verse here. He's now addressing not two tribes, but all 12. Think about this. The Lord knows every hair upon our head. Yeshua himself formed us with his own hands in our mother's womb. He knows all his creation. And nothing is hidden from him. And for some of those reading this book, and that's why some don't even like to read this book. Because they say, well, it should be saying, well, to the 12 churches or Messianic communities, both Jews and Gentiles, one and Messiah. But Yaakov, who is Yeshua's oldest half-brother, is addressing these 12 tribes. He's calling them out. Because they are to be a light to the nations. In the midst of the diaspora, that is outside of the land of Israel, they are to be a light to the nations, especially those who have come to receive Yeshua as their Messiah. And so let us begin in our introduction here, part two. The author of this letter is a half-brother of Yeshua. Yaakov was not initially one of Yeshua's disciples, his Talmudim, even though his own brothers did not believe in him. Where is that recorded? But Yohanan, the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 5. And I went into great depth the last time in part one of the introduction, so this is just a mention. Those of you who are listening on the podcast, please listen to the podcast. 
so that you can be in step with the rest of us as we go through this very important book. So what changed for Yaakov or James? For to become a wholehearted transformation to a disciple, to a Talmudim of Yeshua. What, ca- what caused this? It was Yeshua's resurrection from the dead. Imagine hearing all these unique things about your brother and hearing about all these miracles that are accompanying him and mom revealing certain things as they went in greater depth the last time about Yeshua's very unique birth that Yaakov and Yeshua did not have the same father. It was a Ruach HaKodesh the spirit of living God that came upon Miriam that brought forth Yeshua. And it was Yosef in the divine beauty of the marriage and confirmation of the marriage between Yosef and Miriam that produced the beautiful child and yet to be born children, starting with Yaakov, James. And so there was all this history going on and dynamics here. So please turn with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 7. Because anytime when you make a, a, a proclamation there about something that's, that's taken place, well, we as Brians who are searching the scripture, we have to see if it is so. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll begin at verse number Seven. How many times have you ever turned to 2 Corinthians? You're in the right chapter, the right verse, but in the wrong book. I've done that so many times, I can't count as often as I can. Okay? And I'm going to begin at verse 1 because it gives a, a better setting for us. Now, brothers, I remind you of the good news which I proclaim to you. Who's saying this but Rav Shaul? Who he's saying this to? To a letter to the Corinthian believers, both Jews and Gentiles, one Messiah. On which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved. See, there are some that are being added daily that are being brought into the body of Messiah. Provided you keep holding fast to the message I proclaim to you. Did you notice that? There's one good news. Rav Shaul said, anyone who adds to it, even if he be an angel, let him be accursed. Let us continue here. The one which I proclaim to you. For if you, do, for if you don't, your trust will be in vain. For among the first things I passed on to you is what I also received, namely this, that Messiah died for our sins in accordance with what the Tanakh says. You hear that? It was already foretold in the Old Testament. And he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Tanakh, with what the Tanakh says, and that he was seen by Kepha, most English translations, it's Peter, and, by, and then by the twelve. And then afterwards, he was seen by more than 500 brothers at one time, the majority of whom are still alive. Though some have died, later he was seen by whom? Yaakov. So this is the two Yaakovs that are listed as part of the 12 Talmudim. This is a separate one. 
then by all the emissaries. And at last he was seen by me, even though I was born at a wrong time. So we set that aside. So there's our proof text that this is Jacob, Yeshua's brother. So continuing now with our introduction. When Rav Shaul, the apostle Paul, met Yaakov, let's now turn to Galatians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. See, scripture upon scripture proves scripture. Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 18. And if you're in fourth or fifth Galatians, you're in the wrong book and the wrong Bible. <laughs> Bless the Lord. Many times, how often do we slip of a tongue, too? I'm going to back up to verse 15 because it sets the setting even better. This is Rav Shaul writing to the congregation a letter in Galatia. But when God, who picked me out before I was born and called me by what? Not by works, no, by his grace. Choose to reveal his son to me. Who chose? God chose. See, the Father chooses that, you are, that, that the Son is revealed to you. He makes that decision. Let's continue here. To reveal his Son to me, so that I may announce him to whom? <clears throat> to the Gentiles, to the, gen to the nations. I did not consult anyone. See, he didn't ask anyone's opinion. So, Kepha, what do you think? Continuing. And I did it, and I did not go up to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, to see those who were emissaries before me. Immediately, instead, immediately I went off where to Arabia, and afterwards I returned to Damascus. Damascus. Not until three years later. Did I go up to Jerusalem to make Kepha's, Peter's acquaintance? And I stayed with him, how long? For two weeks. But I did not see any of the other emissaries except for Yaakov, the Lord's brother. So were the other Yaakov's, Yeshua's, half-brothers? No, they were not. So here we see it clearly. Who this individual is. Concerning these matters I'm writing about you, I declare before the Lord God that I'm not lying. Is that strong enough testimony for you? It is for me. Because this book was delivered to us without error. And all the books listed in this book are presented to us without error. We cannot trust man's opinion but we can trust God's written word that is written to us. Electronics, tapes, cassettes, I'm going way back in time. They are a blessing, but they do not replace the literal written word of God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so Yaakov was a respected leader in the Messianic community in Jerusalem. Years later, Rav Shaul referred to Jacob, James, Kepha, 
Peter and Yohanan John as pillars in the Messianic community. Where do we find that? We're really close this time, folks. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 2, and let's read verse number 9 and see what it says. So having perceived what grace had been given to me, Yaakov, Kepha, and Yohanan acknowledged pillars of the, the community extended to me and Barnaba, who is Barnabas, the right hand of fellowship, so that we, we may go to the Gentiles, to the nations, and they to the circumcised. Who are the circumcised? But those who are circumcised underneath the written Milah, what do we hear today at our Torah reading? Abraham was commanded to take his son at eight days, but also all the mature men that were with him. And they were circumcised that day. The right of the covenant in their flesh. A great reminder that God is Lord over our flesh. And so these, these circumcised were those who have entered into the Brit Milah, but they had not received Yeshua as their Messiah. And so the Rook is now dividing these individuals as he picks. They don't say, hey, that sounds cool. I'd like to go do that. No, the Spirit of living God chooses, empowers them, equips them, and then sends them. And that what's the only thing they need to do but to simply obey? See, many times we get confused many, many times as we hear the word of the Lord. Like Abraham heard today, lech lecha means, means get out of there. Get out of that world system. Not to be part of it, to dwell within an area, but not to allow that to overcome you. Are we going through a sanctification process that began the day that we became born again, born in the Spirit? Are we allowing the Spirit to live out and make that out through us? Are we allowing the Spirit of the living God to transform us in the image and likeness of Messiah Yeshua, his character? And so Yaakov's letter to those of these 12 tribes is asking them this question. Because God has a holy remnant in all the nations of the earth, including the 12 tribes of Israel. He knows them by name, and nothing is hidden by him, from him. So continuing here in verse number 9, that they would go to the circumcised. And we end right there, and let us continue. Otherwise, it'll get so deep and we'll go on a bunny trail. We don't want to do that because we've got to keep focused. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so later on, when Rav Shaul arrived in Jerusalem, after his third missionary journey, Yaakov was the apostle, the rabbi of the Jerusalem Messianic community. For he alone was named among all the elders. And where do we find that? Let's look in Acts chapter 21, verses 17 and 18. But Rabbi, we were in there, so it should be familiar to you. 
God's word should be familiar to us. And we should never be offended ever to read it again because it gives us life. In Jerusalem, the brothers received us warmly. The next day, Shaul and the rest of us went to see who? Yaakov. And all the elders who were present. After greeting them, Shaul described in detail each of the things that God has done among the Gentiles through his efforts. So we see this person that was once a non-believer in his older half-brother had a radical transformation after the literal resurrection of his brother, Yeshua. So continuing now, now we shift. Yaakov's letter is different from most Brit, Brit Hadashah letters, New Testament letters. Like Messianic Jews, Hebrews, and Galatians, though it addresses different issues, it details with themes that concern Jewish Messianic believers, reflecting the demographic of the early Messianic community, especially that which is taking place in Jerusalem. So now let's focus on our first area here. What it says, it says this, to make good your words. Are not believers to honor their word? Absolutely. Does not Father God honor his word? Did not Yeshua say the things I say are not of my own? But I come and I share the things that he who sent me? And after Yeshua ascended to the Father, did he not give us the Ruach HaKodesh to lead us into all truth? Are not our mouths to be filled with the word of God? Speaking expressly to ourselves first and to those around us? Absolutely. So Yaakov calls the 12 tribes scattered throughout among the nations to make good of their profession of trust and faith as Yeshua being the Messiah. Why? Because they're being tested on every side. The 12 tribes here, as we dig a little bit deeper, refers to Jews scattered outside the land of Israel in these Gentile countries. These scattered Jews were seldom accepted by their fellow countrymen. Saul of Tarsus, where was he born? In Tarsus. He was not born in the land of Israel. So he knew the in and out of being born out of an area where the Lord ordained you to live and to thrive. So seldom were they accepted by their fellow countrymen in these Gentile nations, often abused by these Gentile people. And they had less standing in some cases than a slave in some places. The technical term Yaakov uses for these scattered abroad is a word that is translated diaspora, which means Jews living outside of Judea among the nations. This dispersed group of Jewish Messianic believers very likely included some who were once members of Yaakov's Messianic Jewish community in Jerusalem. The apostle Yaakov's sounds much like Rabbi Yaakov as he encouraged his readers in various trials and hardships and temptations that they were currently experiencing. So Yaakov's letter cannot be 
called a personal one. That is, it does not address specific issues or questions rising out of a local congregation, like First and Second Thessalonians. But this is a broad brush to all the 12 tribes throughout the whole diaspora who came to have the veil removed from their eyes and they received Messiah Yeshua as their own and was calling them to account for their daily living among one another, reaching out to the unbelieving uh, Jewish community who did not receive Yeshua as their Messiah and how they dealt with those who were being grafted in to the commonwealth of Israel and also to those who would never be grafted in. In the midst of that pressure and tension, we find ourselves even today. Believers, whether you're Messianic Jews or Messianic believers from the nations, there's a tension. There's a pressure cooker. There's persecution. There's abuse that is in our daily lives. And as Hasatan takes more and more over this world, the flame is turned up. We think things are bad now. Nothing is compared as those that were living under this Roman occupation. Not only just for the Jewish people, but also those Gentiles who were living in those countries because they were not all Roman. They were forced into citizenship through the military. Just think if our local president or governor wanted to be worshiped as a god. That's the reality that they lived in. And that's the future of Messianic believers, both Jews and Gentiles, one Messiah, as the Lord orchestrates his will, that we're beginning to see the very thresholds of becoming more and more reality. Just as they were able to stand, trusting the Lord, walking his provision, the Lord is asking us today to do the same. Praise be to God. So let us continue here. Yaakov's letter cannot be called a personal, that is, does not address specific issues or questions rising out of one local area. Instead, it becomes more of a collection of wisdom and instruction, like those of the wisdom of literature of the Tanakh or the Old Testament, along with references to the teachings of his older brother Yeshua. Yaakov's instructions deal with kinds of difficulties that these people now face, now and also in the future. What ties the central thread tying multiple sections of this book together is that these Messianic Jewish believers must allow their difficult circumstances to prove their faithfulness to Yeshua as their Lord. You want to be more intimate with Messiah? then you have to be willing to bear your execution stake. You must be willing to bear 
trials that he faced, not all, but similar ones. And know this, that he gives you the strength, the anointing and the power. So that what is being transformed? Our character. The Lord does not allow one trial, one circumstance, one situation that he has not ever given us the opportunity to get there out of. And there's times when he leaves us there for days, months, and even years. But you know what is passing away? I've learned my fleshly desires, my carnal nature is being put to death daily that I may rise up a new life in Messiah. The maturing of your faith comes through this. And Yaakov is letting his brothers and sisters in Messiah know that's all part of God's plan so that we will mature. Because one day, my brothers and sisters, it says in the scripture, one day when Messiah comes back for us, and later when he establishes kingdom, who's going to be ruling and reigning with him? Those who are from the Jewish people who've received Messiah, and those from the nations shall rule and reign with him, starting in the millennial reign, but continuing forever, we shall rule and reign with him. And so the tasks and the abilities, everything that prepares us, remember elementary school, junior high, and senior high prepared you what for life? Some of us are blessed to go on to college, not all, and that's fine, but that prepares you. Think about your journey here on earth. It's preparatory time for you and I for all eternity. Where we, we do not allow Hasatan victory in our lives. Because we take power and authority over our own desires. And Yaakov, as we get into this book, he pulls no punches. He needs to do that, just like Yeshua, his elder brother, pulled no punches. He said things as they are. Aren't, isn't it better to receive truth, the word of God, and to be able to see ourselves, later we'll be getting into this, as we see our image in the mirror and see truly as the Lord sees us? But then to see our reflection and then with a heart that's broken, and I'm not looking at anyone here, but, but our heart which is broken because we see where we are in Messiah. And yet in the midst of that mirror, he reveals to us the transformation into his character and his likeness. That's a process and journey my brothers and sisters are on right now. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yaakov now employs numerous metaphors and illustrations to make his points. A teaching style that he picked, no doubt from whom? But his elder brother, Yeshua, who was what? The master rabbi and teacher. 
There are 50 imperative command verbs and clauses in the 108 verses that are in this book of Yaakov James. Yaakov does not say, I recommend that you do this with a little quaint smile and hands there pleading with you. But he says, you must do. See, there are times we as believers, we're fooling ourselves. We have a greater thoughts of where we are. But as the Spirit reveals the truth to us, it allows us to be broken. Remember this, your loving Heavenly Father chastises us, does he not? So that we will mature. How many want a 62-year-old, I'll pick my age, a 62-year-old toddler on your hands living at home with mom and dad? <laughs> Nobody wants that, right? Okay, that's as far as levity I'm going to go today, all right, okay? So, continuing, Yaakov writes with the heart of a rabbi shepherd leader, wanting those he cares for to demonstrate actions that prove themselves and to watching and to a watching world that their trust is genuine. Remember that old saying, the proof is in the pudding? Remember, we're what? We're mere dust. So if I compare myself to pudding, I'm actually exalting myself. Because I'm mere dust. I can't do anything without the Lord. It's ridiculous. Continuing here. So Yaakov writes with the heart of a rabbi shepherd leader, wanting those he cares for to demonstrate actions that will prove to themselves and to the watching world that their trust is genuine, especially in the face of what? Trials, troubles, and temptation. So folks, open-ended question. How did you do during COVID-19? You don't need to answer. Are there things now looking back upon that we wish we wouldn't have done? Were there times when we were in a panic state where the world was watching and they were saying behind the scenes, I got to pick on me, nobody else is fair game. Where is the hope that's in Frank? Let's continue. Next, what it means, walking in the tightrope between trust and works. Ever do that as a kid? Go on a little rope. Have you ever been to the Renaissance Fair, go on Jacob's Ladder? After they let go of that thing that spins around, it's a rope ladder. I think I lasted 1.2 seconds as I tried to go up it. And I see this little kid come behind me. They go right up to the top. They ring the bell. They get the prize. But I was unsuccessful. The tightrope of life between trust and works. So let's begin. At the beginning of Yaakov's letter, Yaakov introduces the concept to his Jewish readers could well understand and appreciate the wisdom living skillfully in the midst of trials and Troubles and tribulations of many kinds. 
Messianic believers, both Jews and Gentiles, need the skills necessary to persevere with patience. Just like Shlomo. Everyone knows Shlomo, right? Solomon advised his readers to cry out to God for what? For discernment. Turn with me now to the book of Proverbs. In the Hebrew, it's Mishli. Chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Proverbs 2, beginning at verse 1. See, because when Yaakov was writing this letter, he was proclaiming the good news, but he knew that he could not circumvent the uh, Tanakh because that's the foundation stones that we build upon all the Brit Hadashah scripture. The Brit Hadashah scripture does not stand by itself. It's built on the foundations, stones of the Tanakh, the Old Testament. I'm amazed how many times through the years I've met a people who've been grafted into the body of Messiah and they've never read the Tanakh, the Old Testament. They've never done it. That's the reality. How many pastors, preachers today rarely go in the Old Testament on average? They want to preach which is safe, what, what uh, backsides fill the seats, and let's don't talk about anything contra controversial. So let us be in Proverbs. I believe you found yourself. My son... You will receive my words and store my commands inside you. Where? Inside you. What does that mean? That he tore off the scroll and ate that rabbi, Frank? No, he meditated on God's word and he hid it into his heart. Paying attention to wisdom, inclining your mind toward understanding. Yes, if you, if you will call for insight and raise your voice for discernment. If you seek as you do with silver, and search for what is hidden treasure. Then you will understand what? The fear of Adonai. But wait a second, I want to go to MIT. No, the fear of the Lord is the greatest thing that you'll know in your life. Praise God if you go to MIT. It's not the wisdom of this world, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, knowledge, and true understanding, which pays for you throughout eternity. Continuing. Then you will understand the fear of Adonai and find knowledge of God. For Adonai gives wisdom from where? His mouth and comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up common sense for the upright. How many people are brilliant out there that have no common sense? They're extremely brilliant. They're highly learned. But they cannot, they don't have common sense. If someone, if they're in a conversation and they're crossing the street and they don't look both ways, a car will hit them. Have you been around people? I have. Have you been that person? On occasion. Got to be honest. For Adonai gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up common sense for the upright. Is a shield to those who conduct, whose conduct is what is blameless. So if my conduct's not blameless, am I walking out the Lord's shielded protection? Absolutely. In order to guard the course of justice and to preserve the way of those faithful to him, then you will understand righteousness, justice, and fairness in every good path. 
for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be enjoyable for you. Direction will watch over you. Discretion, excuse me, will watch over you and discernment will guard you. They will save you from the way of what? Of evil. And from those who speak what? Deceitfully. You mean there are people who are lying to me today? No, everyone that's in authority tells the truth. Guess again. Who leave the paths of honesty to walk the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and take joy in being stubbornly deceitful. For those whose tracks are twisted and whose paths are perverse. They will save you from what? A woman who is a stranger, from a loose woman with smooth talk, who abandons the ruler she had in her youth and forgets the covenant of whom her God. Her house is sinking toward death and her paths lead to where? To the dead. None who go to her return. Neither regain the path of life. Thus you will walk on the way of the good people and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live where in the land, and the pure-hearted will remain there. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, the unfaithful rooted out of it. So it's that type of wisdom that Yaakov is now dispelling to his brothers and sisters in Messiah. Let's continue. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Yaakov says to all Messianic believers, they should ask from God. And where do we see that? But in the book of Yaakov, James, chapter 1 and verse 5. Now if anyone of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives all generously without reproach, and it will be given to whom? To him. It's not about your status and who you are in Messiah. It's all about him and his wisdom and his knowledge. Nothing more. Next, rich and poor. As do the Old Testament prophets, Yaakov greatly criticizes favoritism, partiality, and the oppression of the poor, just as Abba, Father God, does. He demands that Messianic believers love everyone, what? Equally. Does that mean I have to love those who've been grafted in, Lord? Absolutely. For you're one in Messiah. And they're his children. And they're your spiritual brothers and sisters. And you're not to look down at them. You're not to speak against them. But you're to show them love and grace and mercy. Because they're part of God's family. And that word needs to go out. Amen. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord especially the poor, just as Abba, Father God, does. And Yaakov counsels wealthy Messianic believers not to place confidence in their own wealth or to ignore the plight of the poorly paid laborers whose cries ascend to the very ears of Abba, Father God. And where do we find that? I'm just going to reference this because we're running out of time. 
It's in 2 Yaakov, verses 1 through 13, and chapters 5, 1 through 6. Next, tongue and works. Uh-oh. Aren't you glad God didn't give us two tongues? We'd be trying to speak in two different directions at once. He gave us two eyes to see, two ears to hear, but yet one tongue to speak. The tongue, evidently careless, malicious gossip, was doing great harm to the Messianic community. The same tongue that praises Abba, Father, God, must not be used to curse another person. Where does Jacob address this? In chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Next, trust, faith, and works. Yaakov is better known for his desire to balance trust, which I equal to faith in my mind. But some people say, oh, look at my faith. Look at me. Look what I've attained. But the word trust to me always speaks to this. For me to, to do anything to the glory of God, I have to put my trust in him. Continuing here. Trust, which is equal to faith, and works. Although this emphasis is distinct and pointed, everything he says is consistent with what Rav Shul, the Apostle Paul's teaching, that we're saved not by works, but we're saved for works. Where is that found? We will not turn there today. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. In stating his case for trust, which is equal to faith, that is proven by works, that he makes an appeal to Father Avraham himself. And where is that recorded? In 1 Yaakov, James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27, and chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Next, patience and prayer. Yaakov highlights the themes of patience, endurance, and waiting throughout his letter. He encouraged Messianic believers to submit to God. Yaakov, James chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. And he declares the power of prayer in chapters 5, verses 13 through 18. Especially in difficult times. You know what every believer should be doing prior to this coming Tuesday? Spend time in that quiet place in the presence of the Lord, interceding for ourselves and our nation. Continuing. Lastly, wisdom. Yaakov. Wisdom is not mere knowledge in any situation. Such wisdom can only come from God. Where is that recorded as we read earlier? Yaakov, James chapter 1, verse 5. And lastly, what it means for us personally. To walk it, not talk it. Remember hearing from mom and dad? Frank, do as I say, but not as I do. What are we saying to the non-believers, those around us? Is it not the same? Yaakov gives strong rabbi-shepherd counsel to a flock scattered where? Throughout the Roman world. By, and they're facing what persecution? Their beliefs now must translate into what life? We have life in Messiah. In the midst of trials, tribulation, in the midst of persecution... In, in the midst of potentially an oppressive government, you know what they say in China? That that congregation out there of believers is exploding. And what's happening in Iran right now? 
People are going to the streets. The CIA reported that in year 2020 or 2021, the largest download from the internet ever recorded by any nation of the world was one thing. You know what that was? The Bible. God is doing things behind the scenes. Let's continue. Let's complete. So Yaakov gives strong rabbi shepherd counsel to a flock scattered throughout the Roman world by persecution. Our beliefs must translate into life. It is not enough for us to tuck away private. How many people are now saying, oh, keep your beliefs and your convictions at home, but please come and vote differently or do this or that differently. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's continue. Is not enough to tuck away a private intellectual faith in order to blend in with everyone else. I just don't want to cause any waves here at work. Okay? So when I see this guy walk in with whiskers in his face, I'm not going to call him Brenda anymore. Rabbi, you, you just shut it out there. You're going to be arrested or in the jail. That's going to be a hate crime. Yeah. Our identity is a Messiah as both male and female, slave and free, Jew and Gentile. Anything more is not of God. Let's continue. If our faith in Yeshua Messiah really means anything, we must stand out for people to notice a difference. On the other hand, those who show up with very little concern for people in need make no effort to control what? Their tongue. And are overly preoccupied with getting ahead should check to see if their trust, their faith, is real. To claim to belong to Yeshua but mirror the attitudes and the actions of this world may be a sign that we're only fooling ourselves. How many believers have you seen through the years who claimed and walked a good talk and appeared to walk a good walk, but was later revealed what they truly were? And some of these people may have been heroes to us in the past. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Shabbat shalom, everyone.